This is TalkHouse Editor-in-Chief Michael Azarad, and welcome to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. A few years ago, I put together a concert celebrating the 10th anniversary of my book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, which is about the American indie rock scene in the 80s. Different contemporary bands covered songs by bands in the book. So, for instance, Toon Yards played Sonic Youth, Dirty Projectors played Black Flag, Dan Deacon played the Butthole Surfers, and St. Vincent covered the Chicago proto-industrial band Big Black. It was one of the most intense musical performances I have ever seen. And Andy Clark's guitar playing was clearly channeling quite a bit of Andy Gill from the iconic, life-changing British post-punk band Gang of Four. Gang of Four has a new album out called What Happens Next. So the time was right to invite Andy Clark to speak with Andy Gill for the TalkHouse podcast. Now, Andy Clark is many things. A visionary songwriter, a thrilling singer, an electrifying stage presence, and a very cultured and intelligent person. She is also a guitar nerd. So she had a lot of questions for Andy Gill about guitar playing, and Andy was more than happy to answer them. Here's their chat. Hi, Andy. Hello. Hi there, Annie. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. I kind of wanted to, if, if I may, and, and let me know if, if you don't want to reveal any trade secrets, but I, I kind of wanted to ask you about... Um, technique if that's not too if that's not too boring of a place to start um oh no you're <laughs> no no it's a one it's a brilliant starting point yeah let's, let's talk about technique that thing that i don't have much of but yeah go on no 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 i mean i don't mean it in some sort of like studious mm. way i just mean um that that like lacerating yeah tone that you get um mm. with the harmonics and the <laughs> Can I yeah. be dumb and just ask what? Because I, you know, I, I was I was watching you um, last week um, from the from the early '80s playing like a, mm. a Stratocaster, and I'd never heard a Stratocaster sound like that. I feel like Strats are, I don't know, this kind of like pantheon of normal guitar playing, and there's mm. nothing normal about what you're doing with it. And there's it just doesn't even sound like a Strat. Hmm. What sort of guitar do you play? Um, I play. I, for a long time, I was playing those um, Harmony Bobcats. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, just you know, the cheap Sears guitar from the late sixties. Oh right, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah cheap is have, good. Cheap is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I've I've sort of. There's a lot of things um, with the recent show that I have to have up the upper frets, and I have to have like actually a fretboard yeah. that's a player kind of guitar. So I switched to um, that's right. these Music Man kind of. Uh, I right. forget the model. The way I kind of set the EQ on the guitar amp is is I just I just suck out around five or six hundred hertz. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know and then just take the level up to a point where it's sort of crunchy yeah and um so 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 so, the, so there's some bottom end but the the kind of the, the sort of 
the sort of lower mids or the mids are, are taken down and then there's lots of top ends. So that's the, and, and the strats seem to, um, you know, it, the strat is, is not, is not as kind of big and rich as a Gibson. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's got a sort of certain kind of thinness and attack to it. Technique wise, it's, I remember being, being at school and, you know, when, when I was kind of trying to, trying to figure out the guitar and I, I was playing bits and pieces and I was always not very good at learning other people's songs. Mm-hmm. Same. But I, were you the same? Yeah. You know, I had sort of great admiration for, for other people who could uh, sit down and listen to a track that they liked and then figure out all the, all the guitar parts. And somehow or other, I don't know whether it was I just didn't have the patience or I didn't, I'm just doing things my way, not their way, or something like that, I don't know. But there was, there was one guy at school who was a sort of guitar genius and they ended up being on a band um, on, on EMI pretty much the same time as Gang of Four were. And, and he, um, and I used to go to, and he was a guitar genius and I would go to him and say, how do you play, um, you know, this Hendrix song or how do you play this particular free song? And he'd show me and I'd then incorporate that into what I knew about the guitar. Mm-hmm. And I remember him kind of showing me something really technical and complicated. And I said, yeah, but what about this? And I just scratched my finger down the string, uh-huh. hit a harmonic and then, you know, just did some, just just the noise sound things from the guitar said so that's what's exciting mm-hmm. and he kind of looked gave me a funny look you know and i suppose that's that's always been with me and um and i also think you know i kind of wanted to be a drummer when when i was younger and i, I mm-hmm. do think of things i do think of things in grooves and rhythms and pulses and and you know i sort of very much think in those terms and I don't really think in terms of sort of yeah you know, that that is very clear. Yeah, you know I don't really think in terms of like sort of grandiose melodic constructions, and you know it's like sort of like you know my my kind of favorite beats are the, are the sort of what I know now to be called a, a dotted quarter note or a dotted eighth note, and uh-huh. you know and a triplet and. Um, Using those things, making guitar rhythms out of those things, in a kind of um, uh, a energetic kind of way, not in a sort of yeah. I mean, I think the energy is important. It 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 seems to play some sort of fundamental role. But but that was the kind of basis of of where I came from with the guitar. I think of music in very visual terms and. It's interesting that you liken your playing to painting because I I tend to think of it as this like oftentimes very um, this cross hatching it's like strict cross hatching that it it grooves but it's not um, it's 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 a it's a strict groove you know it's not wobbly and um, serpentine exactly when you're in the riff zone. If I, if I can ask you another um, kind of guitar nerd question, um, in terms of when you're doing the kind of more um, lacerating, feedbacky yeah. 
apart. Is are you, is that are you relying on pedals and things like that, or is it is it? No, it. it um... Because I can feel, I can, I can hear you. You know, I, like when I was watching you play the Strat, um, I can hear you bending in a way that sounds like you're just bending the neck, because yeah. you didn't have a whammy bar or whatever. It's just if in, and I think that kind of physicality that combined with you sort of lurching about in this um in this way like you can you can hear your whole you can hear you throwing your whole body into the guitar yeah in a way that i think very very few people do and, and that's quite inimitable <clears throat> yeah mm. um, i'm not sure there, there was a question i always thought that thought about the stage as theater and and you know and you're putting across stuff to the audience in what is sometimes called a sort of brechtian way in other words a self-aware way that you're not pretending you're not pretending very much but but you're there is artifice and you're putting it across to the audience and there's a very direct contact between you and the audience mm-hmm and sometimes you know sometimes you are uh, you know i'm playing the guitar and it's feeding back and i'm a lost man i'm you know i'm stumbling around the stage and i don't know where i'm going and i don't know quite what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. and 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 um and yeah there may not be a whammy bar so it may be a case of just hold, holding the guitar with my right hand and getting a hold of the neck with my left hand and bending it one way or the other. Um, and before, I mean, this, the album that I've just done, I think is a bit different, but prior to that, there's fairly minimal um, effects. And, and I don't say that as sort of out of any kind of pride, you know, like, no, this, no, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not, so it's, it's more natural and authentic because it's not really effects. I'm not saying that um, because I love effects, but um, it's, it, it would basically be how do you make a guitar feedback? Well, you basically add more gain and, mm-hmm. you know, distortion and stuff. So it's like, it's one pedal, <laughs> has to be the right pedal that, that like, you know, just pump, bump, pumps up the gain so that you get a feedback loop, you know. You spoke about um, Brechtian performance and embracing mm. the artifice. Mm. Um, do you feel like, where do you feel like that came from? Because I feel like a lot of people, especially um, in well, let me think about this. If maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Mm, mm. Um, in the in you know the late seventies, there was this sort of push toward quote unquote authenticity. I mean, there was yeah. a reaction against, I mean, be politically and um, and also a reaction against the kind of stadium rock, mm, um, mm. overblown, bloated kind of rock and roll mythology or whatever. Um, but. But it seems so. It seems slightly counterintuitive to to think that you at that time would embrace embrace the artifice. I guess let's yeah. I, if we could unpack the the idea of of 
artifice and authenticity and, and yeah the... I, exactly i know they're, they're they're sort of very loaded words that that can mean you know in different contexts they can kind of mean the opposite of, of you know they can kind of mean anything really i mean authenticity <laughs> is the most it's such a dangerous word you know and and, and people use it to market market things and all that you know and um and and take it out of its out of its proper meaning which you know is means authentic but um i think well w one of the things that that struck me somewhere in the mid 70s i saw the grateful dead in mm -hmm. london and they all sort of pretended that they were you know they're on stage um the audience was this massive sea of denim and yeah and, and on stage, the fellas kind, I think they even had like, you know, like lamps on stands, like you know, somebody might have in the living oh. room. Oh, yeah, we're just in, in the living room. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are in the <laughs> living room. We, we, you know, Pull up a you, seat. Exactly, that's it. And, yeah, and, smoke a doom, yeah. And, and people, you know, so, you know, you know, but it's all intimate. And, but in, in fact, there's, you know, there's five thousand people in Alexandra Palace, and and they're all just peeking into the Grateful Dead's living room, where where they're just just kind of looking at their feet, you know, and all of that. And then c compare and contrast with seeing Doctor Feelgood mm -hmm. um, in 1975, where, well, I'm, uh, you know, the, the 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 contrast couldn't be greater. You've got. Um, you know, for a start, all the songs are absolutely worked out to the nth degree. They're completely, they're all under three minutes. They're all super tight. Mm -hmm. um, there's no mucking about. And the band members look at the audience and engage them and stare at them into their eyes. And it, it's kind of an act, and, and it is... It is theatre. It is theatre, and and there's no kind of pretense at it not being theatre. And then that's in mm -hmm. you know the the theatre, or if you like, inverted commas, the artifice is embraced. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that 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 left um, a massive sort of impression on me. And I, I have to say that it was quite influential on the way Gang of Four went about things in the early days. You know. Um, and um, but but beyond that, I found that the kinds of things that we wanted to say, we we liked to create these kind of lyrical constructions, where one person would be one character, and then mm -hmm. somebody else, probably me, would be the narrator or. The Greek chorus, or something. The Greek chorus, or 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 another character, you know, or the wife of the person that's that's the main character, that kind of thing. So we always kind of like the, the songs to be a little bit of a play, um, and that was a great starting point. And then you could have enormous energy and possibly violence within that, but but those things were often the kind of structure, you know. So <clears throat> that that's sort of what I mean by kind of embracing artifice. You know. But um, you know, and I, I think that, that, that I mean there are kind of some parallels between between what you do and, and, and what I do, which I think it, 
is really interesting. Um, I mean, you're you're much more, and I, 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 you know, I've seen the video with you with the guitar guy where where you're kind of sort of jamming something. What, what was that? What's it called? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was oh god, that's Matt Sweeney, and that was something I did for Vice. Was it something for Vice? Yeah, something I did for Vice. Yeah. And you were jamming with him, and um explaining that thing with uh, uh you know there's plucked harmonics where you where you where you do a harmonic where, where there isn't really one you know you have to move your right hand to you are right-handed aren't you yeah i am right-handed mm-hmm. <clears throat> um where you had to move your right hand to get the right point the, the harmonic you know the the halfway point to get the harmonic right uh, which which is it's really interesting i mean you You've got much more of a musical education than me, you know. You, you, you... Not really. You would be surprised. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, if, if you haven't, then I am surprised. But yeah, um, you went to Berkeley, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did, but I didn't. I wasn't a good student. I, mm. I mean, I know that most people Bad who girl. go to Berkeley. But I, I know. <laughs> 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 I yeah. dropped out. I, I, you know, I. Looking back on it, you were a draft dodger. I would have, I would have rather gone to art school. I mean, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining, but, um, no, no. uh, but a lot of the musical education I got was from watching my uncle play guitar. Who's a a really brilliant jazz fingerstyle player. So, yeah. And playing in bands. Without a pick, don't you? You you, you play with your fingers. A lot of times I, I play, I've played more with a pick as of late. Um, just because mm-hmm. I need a certain amount of attack for some of the, um, some of the, the, the parts, which, um, yeah, yeah, but I, but I, I sort of came up as a more of a fingerstyle guitar player. It's it's really interesting that the, um, you know, what, what, what you said earlier about, um, the kind of groove that, that you do and, and it is. It is kind of super tight, isn't it? And then it's not fluid. It's not, as you say, serpentine or, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not It's not wiggly. It's not, you know, the same way that, you know, you were more influenced or more inspired by Dr. Feelgood than the Grateful Dead. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, <laughs> I would, I would, I would agree with that. I would, I would, I would err on that. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that kind of, of, of form formless jamming yeah, yeah. which i yeah. it doesn't seem like you are no either. no yeah I, I think we 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 have that in common that that songs are pretty tightly structured um um i mean with some some of the gang of four songs it's it's with most of them it's absolutely i mean there are some songs where where there is a, a, a loud um a degree of Let's see what happens. I mean, actually, probably only one or two, actually, I can think of. There's a song called What We All Want um, from the second album, which is just this riff that goes on and on. And um, Yeah, of course. It's incredibly simple. And um, and that, you know, if I feel like it, I kind of muck around a bit. And But that's the exception. So, I mean, you know, I mean, Yours is kind of super constructed and and um, and and tight, 
with lots of your songs, um, there's there's room for the room for in, instrumental sections where the guitar is doing all kinds of things, and I think that's that's brilliant. And I love that um, there's a there's a there's a video up. But I think you're doing a is it is it a cover of a black song? Um, is it Big Black? Big Black, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely noting, in terms of that high gain, high treble, no mids, yeah. Yeah. you know, bottom. I mean, that's, you know, that's of Albini definitely, I was probably winking at you there. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story, which is um, uh, I, I produced the Jesus Lizard in... Um, in the mid nineties in Chicago. Yes, of course. Of course. David Sims. Um, I know David Sims. Oh, do you? He's, he, yeah, I love David he's, Sims. Great. he's a lovely man. He was, uh, he was my tax man for a while. Was he? <laughs> yeah. He's that an that accountant. That's amazing. I, I would always, I would email him about something and just be like, I'm emailing David Sims from the Jesus lizard about, you know, my 401k or whatever. I don't, I don't have one of those, but you know what I mean? Is he still doing that? Uh, yeah, he's he's an accountant. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna email him tonight because I I've yes, got to do something should. about the I mean, I've got to do something about my withholding tax in America. So I'm gonna email David Sims tonight. He's your um, man. He's your man. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Fantastic! I didn't know that. Um, uh, it's lovely bloke. In fact, they all are. And um, David Yao's a, a, a good guy. And um. So I was in a car with David Yao. We were driving somewhere or other halfway through this album. And we were listening to some um, Albini stuff. What's that other band he's got? Is it called? Um, Shellac. Shellac, yeah. Yeah. We listened to Shellac. And Yao was getting more and more agitated. Going, this is just Gang of Four ripoff. This is Gang of Four ripoff. And I said, well, whatever, you know. And, and he phoned up Albini. Albini answered and... And David Yao went, you're just ripping off <laughs> And I was, I was getting slightly embarrassed at this point, you know, but, and he, and he's kind of, you know, grumped a bit and mumbled something or other. But, um, did, did he confirm or deny? I think he kind of changed the subject. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love the way that it, what you do in that song is it's just like loads of, you know, riffing harmonics for the first minute or something. Mm-hmm. It's really brilliant, you know, and um, it's sort of reminding me that what I should be doing, you know. So um, expect the next five Gang of Four songs to have loads of riffing harmonics. <laughs> Well, I have you. I have you and Steve to thank for that. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 not I'm, so. I'm like... referencing Steve referencing you. I'm referencing Steve referencing you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like 
it, I mean, that that particular thing is not particularly typical of, well, it doesn't seem to me that it's that typical of what what you do with songs like um, um, Cruel or um, Witness. Yeah, it's called it Digital Witness, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're... They're, they're very sort of clever constructions um, and they're quite interesting what you know what happens uh, um, go on oh no thank you um yeah I, it's yes it seems like we uh, where do where do you think this because um, there's tremendous power in austerity and mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. of the my favorite it's so hard to talk about music, but you know, one of my favorite things is how how your riffs and the the drums and bass, like you said, they're they're this sort of like stalwart um, yeah. monolith, and then you can you can either lock right in in a very yeah. rigid way, or you you know float it out a bit. Um, but where do you think your desire for that kind of austerity comes from? You know the compact songs, the the not you know lollygagging about. As I was growing up uh, uh, during my sort of teenage years, I pretty much hated ninety nine percent of what I heard on the radio, mm-hmm. and, and and felt it was <clears throat> um, demeaning to people, idiotic. Um, so I mean, sometimes, sometimes I hear songs on the radio, and I'm going like, "Who, you know, did DARPA sponsor this? Who, who in the world? <laughs> yeah. Who is this for?" I know, I know, I know, I know. What I mean, corporate interests are behind this? You know, I this such. You know, I I used to have such a kind of this. You don't know who these people are, but this this in Britain there was just one radio station called Radio One. Yeah, it was of the course. most the most dreadful, awful thing. Um, and there was some pirate radio who broadcasted from ships out at sea. Um, and they played reasonable stuff, but Radio One played the most appalling crap. Um, and it's odd that all these DJs from the 70s are now being investigated for paedophilia. Oh, <laughs> And, I'm and sorry, now I can laugh at that. Yeah, it's no, horrifying. No, it's horrifying, but it's also darkly, darkly funny. But they should be investigated for crimes against music. You know, it's um, to me, it, there had to be something that that was truthful and meant something, and you know, and 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 express things as I saw them. Um, so I think I think that's where both both guitar wise and the the kind of production musical construction of the band sound and the lyrics that that's where it was all coming from. It was talking about things that were true and as 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 we saw them and not this kind of bizarre world of um, nonsensical distraction you know obviously the personal is political and you're you're talking about um in 
you're, you were talking about things that actually mattered and were actually relevant to people's lives instead of this kind of fantasy make-believe um, yeah. corporate, corporate sponsored. Did that always feel powerful? Or did, did you ever kind of, did you ever sink into despair? You know, no, no, no. Um, because the thing was, as soon as I think there's, there's there's kind of an instinct about when you when you do something good and you know it's good, mm-hmm. you don't even really care what anybody else thinks. You know, when when you have that kind of thing like, wow, you know, this really is good. You know, and that you know, and we've managed to say what we're trying to say, and and it is good. But then when when other people go. Yeah, it's good, and it kind of you feel vindicated. So no, I, I you know I, I I never felt um, any kind of despair or negativity. I think a lot of people these days are way less overtly political. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have kind of been interested in the, in the Gang of Four sound and have kind of maybe you know, been influenced and borrowed a bit here and there, but they never kind of get that interested in the kind of subject matter uh, I've noticed. Uh, well, well, that's not entirely true, but, but, but I'm exaggerating a bit, but, but it tends to be the guitar sound and the drum beats and stuff that people kind of listen to Gang of Four for. for. Um, Why do you think that is? Why I think people got. I think people got bored with politics, and I, I, if, if you know, I mean, in the late seventies, it was a very polarized world that we lived in. You know, it was kind of capitalism versus the USSR, and yeah, and then there were characters like Margaret Thatcher, which tended to massively polarize opinion. Everybody had an opinion, oh. and, you know, and 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 Reagan and young people sort of had a, had, had, a, had a strong opinion and stuff, which they seem to have less of. I mean, sometimes it, sometimes it is literally fashion-driven, I think. So I, you do wonder why these days it's not, you know, where people go lyrically. But um, I certainly wouldn't, you know, expect people to do what Gang Four did. But also, I mean, the whole kind of issue of politics is a, is a funny one. And... With with Gang of Four, um, sometimes songs that, that are called political, for example, uh, the Gang of Four song called "Natural's Not in It," um, yeah. which which I've people have told me is is sort of a you know a political song. But when you look at what it says, all it all it really says in that song, I mean, it's a kind of slideshow of images. Um, many many images strung off one after the other, and what it's basically what it what it comes down to, what it's saying, is that the things that we people often say are natural in inverted commas are not natural at all. They're man-made Great. ideological constructs. So, you know, in the seventies, people often used to say, "Well, it's natural for women to stay at home and have kids," or, you know, "It's natural for the men to go out to work," and of course, these—it's not natural. It's—it's a—it's a construct, you know, and and I think that's you know, and and that religions, 
and ideologies and, and political systems, it's in their interest to create this notion of what's should happen, what's natural, because it helps them with their purposes. And that's that's all that song was, which I'm actually thinking about. Now, now I've described it, I suppose it is political, obviously, but but it's not, you know, it's not party politics. It's not saying, you know, I'm down with the people and hey, let's, you know, let's have a revolution. It, it's 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 describing the world in a realistic way, I think. So at some point or other, I have to ask you about your soccer video. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, you, you know, obviously you're already very cool, but now you're on kind of level 11 of coolness with demonstrating oh, soccer technique. <laughs> Rookie is a great um, young woman feminist um, zine. And they asked me to do an instructional video and you know, but they kind of said, well, everybody knows that you play guitar, so don't do that. And I thought, I honestly had to think back to um, what I did before I started playing guitar, because I, I, I mean, aside from, you know, getting smarter, seeing this film or reading that book, there's, I haven't really mastered any skill, except, yeah. um, you know, except tried, tried to get there with music. But, um, well, it's so, absolutely yeah. Thank you. So yeah, I mean, I started. I started. I played soccer. All, you know, I'm from Texas, so everybody played sports, and I played yeah. at pretty much every sport. But um, soccer, uh, soccer, I I played and and wasn't particularly aggressive or good at the at scoring goals or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But did manage to um, did manage to kind of perfect a a skill which is kicking yes, a ball over my head which has no certainly did no other applicable use for that i mean that's just <laughs> that's all it's, it's totally impressive totally impressive well thank you what was it like you know um i can't say his name Suf, sufjin steven stevens oh sufjan yeah sufjan 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 steve sufjan stevens what was it like playing in that um you know I, I will say that uh speaking of you know artifice and authenticity and performance i mean i'm i'm of the same mind that if you're once you get up on stage you're a performer you ought to perform and yeah. you know i, I I'm, I'm with you that i find the kind of idea of oh, it's just me just take me for me i'm in my flip-flops and a shirt yeah. and sit with his guitar like I just there's something about that construct that I actually find very inauthentic but um exactly. well you know but um but so Sufjan really embraced the performance side of it I mean we had costumes and wings and um right he would tell these really he's a great writer great great writer and he would tell these <laughs> long-winded um <coughs> stories from um, you know, from the mic and this, the whole thing had a, a drama and a flow and a flair and was, it managed to be extravagant, but so connected. I mean, so mm. I, mean, I, I remember before I was even playing, playing with him, I went to go see him in Austin and he, he started the set with a song called <laughs> sister, which doesn't, doesn't even have any words. It's just this, um, 
kind of repeating melody that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was in tears by the first song. It, it was just incredible. He's got incredible ears, obviously. Um, to just talk about construction too, mm. you know. Mm. Um, although, although actually, he has like a few jammier bits than than you you might think. There's definitely some some room to some bits explore, where it but might, it's all, might go different ways. Yeah, a little a little bit. It's always kind of yeah. within the you know the context yeah. of a of a song. When you tour this this new record, will you tour with um, some of the singers from with Allison? No, I, not really. I mean, I, you know, I, we'll probably do bits and pieces where we're in in certain places, and it, and it works out that way. But um, you know, Jailer, as as he is nicknamed, um, is uh, sings it. Does that dynamic feel? the most comfortable to you to have that other voice to bounce yeah to to be able to do the the multi-point of view and the exactly the commentary yeah yes yeah exactly you know and and some and there's there's a couple of songs on on this which are very much like that where i do one line he does one line i do one line he does one line so it's a it's a back and forth and that and it's integral to the song it's a it's a fantastic device, you know. I think uh, where one voice sings something with, with one from one point of view, or or with one character, and then it mm-hmm. and then it, and then whether it's the next line or whether it's the next half verse or whatever, the other voice comes in and sings it. It's quite it can be quite thrilling to listen to, you know. It, it can be absolutely. You know, I suppose you know we're sort of straying into the rarefied world of opera, but uh, probably not. I can't think of another, um, for lack of a better word, rock band who's done it so uh, effectively. I mean, you, but I mean, maybe you know, the B52s had that kind of round robin thing going. Yeah, they did. And yeah, yeah. yeah, Slater Kinney has two singers. They do that quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm yeah, and I'm even trying to think of examples of bands who who would have kind of done it done it before gang of four and it, no one's coming to mind i mean not i mean obviously there's the beatles or something but that that was that's you use it so differently than yeah i mean i, I suppose did. you know that I, I guess the beach boys did that a bit you know different voices would come in but mm-hmm. um but they always sound monolithic sound monolithic yeah i mean they always thought to me i, I can't they're, they don't. The voices don't feel distinctive. Not not that. Ag- agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Um, the you know the band with you know Robbie Robertson and uh, right. Yvonne, yeah. Yvonne Helmsley, yeah. they do that, and uh, it 
And it's always a thrilling moment when when it goes from one voice to another. They don't do it that often, but when they do do it, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, and another reference for this thing is there's uh, a Bob Dylan track, Bob Dylan singing with Johnny Cash. Ah, right. The, uh, the Girl from the North Country. Have you heard that? Girl from the North Country. And... No, Dil- I Dylan sings one verse, and then Johnny Cash comes in, and it's literally your your you get goosebumps. You know, you get goosebumps. Mm. It just just the change of voice, and the the timbre, and you go it, it, you you get a shiver. You know when when it's you know. I'm not comparing that level of greatness to Gang Four. Um, but, um, you know, it's just, yeah, the, the whole different voice thing is, is, is uh, I think is uh, super cool. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I have to run to a meeting here. Um, Andy, it was such okay, a pleasure. Andy. I'd, I'd love to talk to you again uh, soon. Uh, I'm sure we will. Uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm such a massive fan. I didn't. I don't know if I said well, that th- enough. Thank, thank, thank you for you know. Thank you. Lovely, lovely talking. Really, really interesting. Uh, thanks very much. My pleasure. Speak soon. This is TalkHouse Editor-in-Chief Michael Azarad, and you've been listening to the TalkHouse Music Podcast with Annie Clark from St. Vincent and Andy Gill from Gang of Four. Our engineer was Elia Einhorn. If you'd like to hear more TalkHouse Music Podcasts, by all means visit thetalkhouse.com slash music. Uh, yeah, do, do you prefer being called um, St. Vincent or Annie Clark? Oh, oh geez, whatever. No, um, you tell me. How about, um, Annie Clark. Sure. Is, or, Clark or what were you going to say? Annie Clark is great. Let's do that. Okay. That's my name. Right. This is Andy Gill in conversation with Annie Clark or St. Vincent uh, for the talk house.